Many churches have a mission statement, but is it just words or does it actually inform what the church does practically throughout the week? We're diving into the mission statement here at One Church TO to define and dissect what we mean by know God, love people, and impact our city. Welcome again to the Follow Podcast Season 3. We're talking about knowing, loving, and impacting. These three special episodes are all about our mission. Started, well, we're in week two right now. Episode number 10, what is loving people? My name is Matt. I'm sitting here with Pastor Jonathan, our lead pastor. And we're going we're gonna to start off, we, we have a, another great discussion planned uh, to talk about what loving people looks like. But before we even get there, let's have a quick conversation about what do we mean by loving people? Mm. And just to tee it off, when we were... Uh, capturing our first podcast, you mentioned something that I thought was a really cool idea. You said something to the effect of, uh, if we know God, it will show up in how we love people. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, uh, th these things are really well connected. But uh, how, how, what, are we, what are we defining by loving people? Is, I guess there's, there is still some murkiness there or some, some fogginess. We could clarify, right? Yeah, so picking up on that thought from the first one. Um, so if we are the Imago Dei, made in God's image, and you know it's First John that says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. There you go. And so we use a lot around here when it comes to loving people, even John 13, when Jesus said to his disciples, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm -hmm. So there's this aspect of, of course. I love it, that scripture. Yeah, I know. It, it's so hard to live. But it's it's so hopeful, right? So so just on a more macro note, the divisiveness mm. that I saw and you've seen and maybe we've all witnessed in terms of our culture uh, politically has leaked into the divisiveness in the church. Yeah. And what a shame. Um, because the unity of the body of Christ and the love for one another is one of the greatest, greatest magnetic pieces of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the being part of the kingdom of God is that I can disagree with you and still love you. I can right. be, I can be in community with you and have, as long as the essentials are there, even if the essentials aren't there, I can love you. It's a choice I get to make. Right. And nobody can make me not love you. And uh, even you can't do that. I'm trying to explain that to my kids all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, think, I think if the church, there's an aspect of loving people that has to start at home first. And that's why issues of unity, we have a little saying here, walking towards the mess. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of clarifying conversations on our staff team, but in our church community too, because we're really committed to loving each other. Yeah. And that's all these generations and all these cultures and all the diversity of thought and experience and everything else. Uh, how do I love you? This this is interesting because when you say love people, it's funny how much, uh, at least my natural inclination is to think kumbaya, right, and to think that everything is peaceful, right. But what we're talking about here is actually tug tug of war in a good way, some push and pull, some some honest and open conversations that we talked about at our in our last episode, even some of that candid and honest correction that God uses from one person who loves another person, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of facsimiles of love. And it's like, that. It's like they'll, they'll say, uh, psychologists will say that a, a, or a key relationship without any conflict is definitely not a healthy relationship. 
Right. It's not the absence of conflict, but it does mean though that when we're engaged in conflict, I'm going to do it in a way that I, I, I'm looking to build you up, not to win. It's it can't be to win. Yeah. Um, it's got to be about like how do we win in this mm. moment? What 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 is it that we can you know? How can I reach you? And but this requires me knowing you a little bit too, because you know we don't all feel and experience love the same way. Love's work, man. Mm. It's not. It's not all idea, you know, Disney World. There's a there's a hard part of gutting it out in a love relationship. And I think this is why God even places uh, a covenant around a marriage relationship, our partnership, because it shouldn't be too easy to break it. Right. Uh, you need it. Break it off all the yeah, time, right? But you, yeah, you need a strong enough container that you can you can have it out. Yeah. And I'm not walking away. Yeah. But we're gonna work it out. Uh, and the ego is what gets in the way, right? That's what gets us entrenched and, and, you know, inflexible. But how we love each other is not only the greatest witness to our city and our world, but it should be expansive. Love is always expansive. Love doesn't, it's always a, it, that type of insular love. Like I just love me, my wife and my kids and that's it. And then nobody else is at our table. Uh, that, that's a pretty selfish and that's living really small. Love, Jesus love and kingdom love is always expansive. So we as a community, church community, love each other well, but we should be very concerned and loving our city. Right, yeah. And it's not us and them, the world and us. No, everybody's the Imago Dei. Everyone's right. made in the image of God. And so whether or not they hate God, won't acknowledge God or anything, none of them are our enemy. They're our friends. Mm -hmm. And we want to make the city we live in a better place to live. So we better be concerned for issues of justice and systemic poverty and racism and all the and also too just coming along people and their brokenness and their needs. I like I I know uh, I'll do this thing at membership I'll tell people what type of church we are. We're a Christian church I always start and then I'll say we're, we're we swim in the pool of the Protestant churches. And in the word Protestant is the word protest. Right. Issues of justice should matter to us. Issues of the priesthood of all believers should matter to us and mm. And then I talk about how we 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 were shaped in the seventeen through the seventeen hundreds movement and the evangelical movement, which was their principal thing was, if you have a relationship with God or you understand the gospel or the treasure in earthen vessels as it's understood, then and this maybe plays into our next uh, talk about impact yeah, our city, yeah. then then it's almost unconscionable that you would receive the benefit of it and not share it, right? Because love is always generous, right? Right. It's always giving. So maybe just taking a half step back. Sure. When we're talking about love people, just to underscore, we're talking about the people in our church, but also the people outside our church. But there's also love has a wisdom to know that you can't treat uh, uh, people with the same expectations on both sides of that. If they're in our community, all the, the, the healthy confrontation that we've talked about— right. That's great for when you have that relationship and you have that accountability agreed upon. Right. But I think sometimes where loving people actually becomes not loving is when we try and, and appropriate that type of relationship to people who don't have that agreement to say, I want to live the way of Jesus. If they don't have that and we confront them with the way of Jesus, that's there, there's that's actually becomes unloving. I think you just nailed it part of the problem in our culture today with the church yeah. intersecting with culture in the world, so much of it's caustic. Right. And a lot of it is the application of scripture that was aimed at Christians. Right. Not people who'd ever claimed to follow Jesus. 
So you're meeting people where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if I feel Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, then I'm coming into a conversation and I'm about building bridges to that truth in love. Mm -hmm. I'm not about uh, declaring that truth or weaponizing that truth in a way that's going to be destructive or unwelcome because, again, we're holding people to account for things they didn't sign up for. Makes no sense, right? Yeah. And uh, it's so funny. Often in the church and Western Christianity, I see such careful attention to the community and such recklessness to the larger community. Right, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. And actually, shouldn't be reckless, but some of that ferocity should be used towards this community. <laughs> right. And this church should know us for our love for one another. Yeah. We got each other's backs. We carry for each other. And you too can be a part of that. Mm. And everyone's welcome, regardless of their background. And we've been so good at drawing lines around who's in and who's out. Issues. And like, I want to be the type of church community anybody could come. You're all welcome. I know that's an easy, that was a trendy thing, especially yeah. in the 90s, was come as you are, you'll be loved. Yeah. And we didn't mean it. Because <laughs> people started showing up, and it was just like, yeah, we, we didn't mean come like that. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the way you'd get dressed, but like... That was part of it sometimes. People lived... Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But people live... We're all broken. Yeah. And who are we to think we have the corner on health and wholeness? And I do think uh, a lot of people come from all kinds of lifestyles. Yeah. And I want to be the type of church where we're kind and we're loving and we'll accept you. doesn't mean I'll agree with everything with you yeah. or you'll agree with everything with me, but could we love each other? Is yeah. that possible? And then I think truth has, the, uh, has a bridge mm. to actually get truth across. Because again, if someone knows you love them, yeah, they'll listen. Man, that, I mean, we could spend so much time talking about that and defining it but um i do want to i do want to actually switch over to some of the the really cool things it's kind of groundbreaking for us in mm. terms of where we're headed and what loving people looks like for us as a community and we're trying to do it more deliberately than we've ever done in the past uh and all, all hopefully down the road we'll say the same thing mm -hmm. um that we want to keep doing it more deliberately so we're going to actually shift to a conversation right now to talk about what we are practically doing as a community to love people. All right, here we are. I get the privilege now to have a conversation with Pastor Jessica Collins and Jesse Sudiro, who are going to be talking about all this love people stuff, but very practically in how we're living that out mm -hmm. as a community today. And uh, Pastor Jessica, you're a staff member. I am. So that's great. We kind of know you a bunch already. I'm happy to be back. This, yeah. is, this is exciting. Uh, but Jesse, you're you're actually a bit of a partner with us. Yeah. And we'll get into some of that in a little bit. Okay. But I, I actually, um, I want to get to know you a little bit. So just, just you know, what do you, what's the elevator? Uh, hello, my name is Jesse. How do we get to know you real quick? All right. I have to start with my wife. I have a wife. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I have three Checklist. kids. Three kids. I live in Etobicoke. And I'm I'm born and raised in North York, and so okay. this is okay. where I was I grew up. And then uh, I'm an assistant professor in contextual uh, ministry at Tyndale. That's a mouthful. Yes, yeah. at good. Tyndale Seminary. I always have to explain it uh, yeah. to people. And so I teach over there, and I teach on these topics about compassion, about justice, about hospitality. Uh, those are the things that are big on my heart. And nice. so before that, I actually engaged in ministry on the streets with Street Involved Youth at a drop-in center with Young Street Mission. That's awesome. And, uh, and before that, doing some church planting. And so it's all kind of mixed in 
into there. In awesome. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Okay, so I've got a question for both of you just to break the ice. Right. This, yep. is, this okay. has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Okay. What's your favorite podcast? Ooh. Pastor Jessica, well, let's start with you. Oh, I like the Follow Podcast. Of course. Shout out to the Follow Podcast. <laughs> of course. Um, you know what? I'm a Survivor fan. Mm. And so uh, my favorite podcast to listen to is called Rob Has a Podcast, and they break down the strategy of Survivor. And so wow. I'm a Survivor strategist. Wow. So that's, that's would you, my favorite. Would you ever go on Survivor? You know what? Um, I would love to. Really? Uh, yeah, I would. Let's start a campaign right start now. Start a campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Get Jessica on Survivor. <laughs> during the during the pandemic, I uh my friend was talking about Survivor. I'm like, that's still on? I yeah, didn't even really know. actually know it was on. I have watched Survivor so. since the beginning. Wow. That's crazy. Like every season. Yeah. I, I'm a Survivor okay. fan. Yeah. Okay. There you go. What about you? Hands down, I don't miss an episode. I miss I, I listen to every one of his things is Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Absolutely, I, yeah. I have listened He's, to many of those. Conan O'Brien is probably Conan O'Brien is pretty funniest guy. Pretty amazing. Know, so it's a great. Well, there you go. So okay. there you go. There's some some podcasts there for you. All right. So let's. We got a lot to talk about. So we're just gonna have to jump right into okay. this. Uh, and I'm really excited about this conversation because it's something we don't get to talk about very much. Uh, I know we initiated the, this this or initiated, that's very formal. We started the podcast talking with Pastor Jonathan about why it matters to love people, but we're actually diving into some of this, what it means to help people uh, and come alongside people and you know, even learn from people mm-hmm. who are in different uh, parts of, of our society than us. Um, now, Jesse and Jessica, I want to hear from both of you. Yeah. Uh, maybe Jesse will hear from you first. Just You've been involved. You just gave us some of your, your resume here. You've been involved in these issues for a long time. Mm-hmm. When did that first hit you, and what was that wake-up moment for you? Yeah. Well, I, I was, uh, I was grew up in the church, like so. Everything was church to me mm-hmm. from birth. I didn't really have much of a rebellious phase uh, or anything like that. I just kind of was very in line with church all my mm-hmm. life. My dad's a pastor, my mom as well, and so okay. growing up in that kind of environment, um, I knew what it was to. Uh, gather people, hold events, do worship nights, all about unity, all this kind of stuff growing up throughout my high school years. And uh, in my university years, is that's, you know, where you kind of get through a little bit of a deconstruction of that. But I went through ministry and I started as a youth pastor and then I ended up doing some church planting after there in Boston. And so there I am am in Boston and we have a church plant and it's kind of, you know, edgy. We meet in a bar and we do all these cool things to get into the neighborhood. We do community assessments to do all these different things. But I noticed there in Boston while we we're doing a church plant that the people who came, um, they ended up being, you know, like us, you know, very middle class students yeah. uh, mm-hmm. from all the different uh, universities there. And so, and then when someone would come from, you know, the margins or who is not, you know, a part of the mm-hmm. majority would come to the church, um, you know, my heart would be like, okay, let's, I want them to be involved. But I always find that they never really penetrated the core of the church, um, and and then kind of either faded away or just remained on the on the fringes of the church. And to me, as I was engaging scripture, particularly at that time, I just kept on hitting the parts about Jesus engaging with those on the margins and who wouldn't be a part of the majority, who wouldn't be in the in in the mainstream of the center. And so, as I did that and I reflect upon the ministry that we were doing, I felt like there was a disconnect, and I always felt and I knew it. Um, but then at that point, when I came back to Toronto, we're on our way back to Toronto, I had to decide, you know, am I going to go back into church planting and continue in pastoral ministry? 
um, mm-hmm. or just do something different. And that's the time where I felt like, okay, you know, this is not me just being, you know, an urban ministry guy or anything like that. It's literally me being like, to be a disciple of Christ means that I need proximity with people who are not like me. Yes. And that there's something that's happening there. And I didn't know fully what. And so I ended up getting a job. As just, I was a drop-in worker at this place called Evergreen uh, downtown, working with street-involved youth, and I was fish out of water. Mm. And that's when my discipleship took a different uh, turn, and I started to radically change the way I saw God, the way I saw grace for me, the way I saw all these different things that have to do with me being formed as a, as a person, and also the benefit it is to those who I'm with as well. So it was a big transformation. There's eight years there at Evergreen. I'm, so. I'm actually really glad that you described that as a, a gradual change, because I think for me, I feel, I remember the first time I started seeing a theme of justice through the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and it really changed how I saw God in the Old Testament. But it, it, but from there, that was like, that was, that was just me scratching the surface of just being aware of that as a theme, as a priority. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I was very confused as to, okay, now what? Um, so I, I'm still in process, mm-hmm. so I'm glad to hear from 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 your his, your story that it is okay to be in a process. And, and for me, it was like when I was I I I didn't I wasn't good at it. <laughs> I wasn't okay, good okay, at okay. like being a drop-in worker. I would say I'm very cerebral. Like I'm a professor now, so I'm like very I think about things a lot. And so going into a place where everything is very tangible, everything is like mm-hmm. here's food, practical. here's practical, yeah. and and getting to the heart of people, and people can read me like people on the streets can know I am not from the streets. Like I'm so far from the streets, <laughs> they can smell it, you know, yeah. that I yeah. don't belong. And so you know, you don't have to be that type of person. You know, I I know those figures that uh, here, especially in Toronto, who are like, oh, that's an urban ministry guy, or that's whatever. I never fit that, to be mm. honest, and. Um, but it's not about that. It's not actually, it's not even about my gifting. Right. Like I think like we always think about, oh, find your gifting and then that's what you should do for ministry. No, we're not called to just follow our gifting. We're supposed to be disciples of Jesus. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, you just obey. And when you that's obey, so it brings you into places that mm-hmm. are maybe not your gifting, but you have to be in. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's a big that's a big thing for me. Put a pin in that. I definitely that's want to so come good. back. I'm going to come talk about the obedience thing and— uh, yeah, remind me if mm-hmm. I forget. <laughs> but Pastor Jessica, how about you? When, like, what's yeah. what's the moments that you felt this stuff started coming to the front for you? So I grew up very similar to you. I grew up in the church, and but I grew up in a very small community. Mm. And so I remember there was a year in high school. I can't remember which year, but we did uh, a, like a trip, and we took we came downtown to Toronto. And so I remember like they had prepped us. You know how you prep kids going on a trip uh, into an area to make them feel uncomfortable and kind of shake them up a bit. (laughs) So we had been prepped. And so I remember we were serving food downtown uh, to marginalized communities. And um, there was this one moment in which I was, I was actually handing out oranges. That was my role. Like I just had a big tub of oranges, handing out oranges. And um, like, keep in mind, like put your mind in a thought that I'm this like young punk uh, kid out to do good in the world, Mm -hmm. feeling really good about myself. And so there was this gentleman that came through and um, he took an orange and me being so generous and and wanting to help, I said, oh, why don't you take two and you can have one for later. And he looked at me, I'll never forget. It's one of the moments that shaked my, sh- shook my life. And he looked at me and said, oh, he said, I can't take that. It will freeze tonight. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the first time in which I realized I, I saw and still see the world with a lens in front of my and and mm-hmm. I, it needs to be removed. So I mm. I think so. Typically, we go into um, 
areas like this of justice and poverty. And uh, we have a lens that we're, we're using our lived experience to look at, at what's playing out in front of us. And we need to remove our lived experience a little bit. And so that, that really shook me. And that has carried me through. Um, and I've had many different experiences with um, all sorts of different ministry contexts. But it that was a moment in which it just, the Holy Spirit did something in my life mm-hmm. and um, caused me to realize uh, I need to be very careful how I'm viewing situations, um, kind of transitioning to where I am today. Um, I, I've found, and I, when you said that thing about proximity, mm-hmm. I, I can totally understand that. Um, when I am not spending time in my neighborhood and, and when I'm spending way too much time absorbed, I work at a church. So mm-hmm. I can work with followers of Jesus all day long. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can rub shoulders easy. with followers yeah. of Jesus. It's easy and it can cause us to live with that lens over our eyes very easily. Become blind um, to it, right? Become blind to it, yeah. see things through um, just mo- rose-colored glasses. But when I'm spending time in my neighborhood with people who do not know who Jesus is, and um, it just causes me to see the world in a different light. And so as we're talking about these things, that that's what really pushes my heart. Mm-hmm. The idea that I, I want to see the world the way Jesus saw it. And to do that, there's this work and this discipleship that needs yeah. to happen in my own life. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Okay, so let's dive into that proximity word. I'm glad it, yeah. it hit for you too, because uh, I guess this ties right into the thing I was saying about obedience. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, I think followers of Christ feel like they are proximate to any need just by putting a dollar into the to the proverbial Ooh. offering plate, and that may that means I'm close to the need, right? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's really it's really beautiful that we're able to give and have an impact across the world. Like we, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people who you said who are like uniquely gifted and called to be present in those tough situations, they need people supporting them. Mm-hmm. So just to to get that off yeah. on the table, it's good. we're for that. Mm-hmm. But there is a call you're saying to followers of Christ to be present, proximate, obedient to to the everyday. I think that's where we struggle, especially mm-hmm. in North America, yeah. mm-hmm. because so much of us, our, our lives are built around isolating ourselves yeah. from any danger, any other, yeah. any mm-hmm. different. And so, how do we how do we start breaking down those barriers? Like, what is the mm. what does an obedient life look like? Yeah, well, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, it's it's. It's huge because um, I think when I think about, say, I, I talk a lot in my class about hospitality, mm-hmm. and I think that we've changed that word hospitality from what it was originally, where it was a host and a, a stranger, someone who's unknown, someone who's uh, unpredictable, mm-hmm. uh, to now uh, hosts and guests who are invited, right? Right. To eventually now to uh, the consumer market, uh, the ideology of this world is... Um, I'm the the host and this is a consumer, right? And so okay. we, we've shifted from wow. hosting a, a stranger to hosting a guest that you invite to hosting a consumer um, that you need to entertain. And that's very different um, of how you would respond to that. And I feel like part of what you're getting at here is that I think we have no definition of hospitality now in our in our day of what it is to welcome a stranger, like a true, right. true stranger. Right. Yeah. Unknown needs to go through like some intake process to be able to be seen this is in our medical field. This is everything. Everything has a, a barrier or a buffer that needs to be passed through in that. Right. And if you are someone on the outside, you feel it. Yeah. Like you just feel it when you come and say to a church and you're being, you're being, you know, sized up by an usher or something like that. You know, you, you, you feel it. Like you just feel outside mm. by these buffers that 
happened there. And it could be as innocent as a, as a registration form. You know what I'm saying? It could be yeah. innocent, all these different things. And so for us, like, and I think what's significant about what we're doing uh, with One Church right now and the work that's being done is the idea of how to actually, um, minimum, there needs to be some boundary. There needs to be barriers. But at the same time, there needs to be a porous boundary, one where we can come through in and out. And I believe that's the step that we're taking, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah. an abstract way. But um, but that's that's one thing. But I think the just to go back to my other point, which I think yeah. is significant is that we we do have to detangle ourselves from this idea of we only do what we're gifted to do. And Mm. I think obedience, when it's like, you know, that passage about (laughs) obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm. We heard that probably passage many times before, but it really is like, you can say, I can do the greater good if I just do what I'm good at. And I stay in my lane, you stay in your lane. But that's not the life of a disciple. A life of a disciple is to say, my life is not my own. Even my gifting is not my own. Mm-hmm. And I just got to obey the Lord. And when it brings you into certain places, then you just need to respond. And we need the intuition to know how to respond when that happens. But the problem now is that we only know how to function when we're in our specialization. And then you become awkward when you don't function in your specialization or what you're good at. And what we need to be is like people, again, who are like jack of all trades, who can know how to engage in multiple arenas, you know, yeah. not just what you're good at. Um because that's what it is to, I think, follow Christ. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. So that, the barrier you're talking about and then functioning within our, our own giftings, and that's yeah. obviously makes us really comfortable. I think it all has to do with this uncomfortability. Like we protect against feeling uncomfortable mm-hmm. or not being able to navigate. Mm-hmm. How do we push ourselves out of that? How do, how do you tell your students? How, how do you push us towards yeah. um, kind of removing some of those boundaries that we ourselves have erected to, to protect ourselves? Yeah, so when I work at Evergreen, I work with um, a beautiful set of people who, uh, the staff as well as the youth, and, but at the beginning, I just, I had a lot of intimidation. Like, when I got there, there's like fights that break out, mm. you know, and there's, uh, there's drug dealing, there's pimping going on, there's like people getting trafficked, there's all these different things that are happening outside mm. the building, and we're knowing of things, and we hear, and, you know, for me, <laughs> some Bible boy here, literally, I was at a <laughs> I had like <laughs> internet names called Bible Boy about me. Um, nice. And I'm engaged in that. Um, and I'm engaged in that world. What really began it is there's no way other than being in the environment mm. and then unf- being familiar with, with what unknown. Like it's just, there's no other way in my opinion. Like you cannot learn it. You can't, it's just about proximity because once you get there, you realize that yes, this guy just perhaps came out of jail and did some horrible things, but we just laughed about whatever this issue is or whatever. And we, we have found some kind of common, common place. Yeah. And I see this person's complex. This person is not just, and they're seeing that in me too. Like you're not just some straight shooter. You, you do bleed outside of that. This person is not identified based on their crime or whatever they're doing. You begin to see the whole person, not the singularity yeah. of the person, the whole person. And you're like, okay. I get it now. And and then I guess when you get to the theological part of it, then you see, oh, like I see the image of God there. Like I see the depravity, but I see the, the image of God wow. in that person. And then you begin to look at yourself as like, you know what? If I didn't have as much to lose, like I have my reputation, like I'm, I'm right. a good Christian, but if I didn't have much to lose and I was in that situation, it's like, mm-hmm. it's 
is going to happen. I would be doing yeah. the same thing. What decisions would we make if we were in totally, the same circumstances? I would right? totally do Absolutely. what this person yeah. is doing. And then you build this rapport and suddenly you're on common ground on those two fronts, both your sinfulness, but also like then I'm like, oh, I'm just like you, sinful. But then also the other side of the person, the beauty, the image of God, you're like, oh, this person made the image of God. We're alike. Yeah. Even the most things that people have done that are horrible, you just begin to find it, you know. Um, okay, I'm going to take a left turn just before we talk about some really exciting stuff we're, we're, we're a part of as a community. Uh, something that I, I've wondered about, like I've, I've been involved in ministry. I've seen the rates of burnout and, and stuff from, from all not-for-profit work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it can be scary. Yeah. But how do you, like when you have what feels like a black hole of endless need, how do you not absolutely waste your life? You know, like when when the, when the need doesn't stop, like how do you how do you yeah. go home from Evergreen and turn it off? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not there right now, right? I'm. Uh, but I'm, like, a, like I'm how in would, the ivory tower of yeah, right, right. Tyndale <laughs> Seminary. Yeah. But um, but you know, I when I went to do my thesis, yeah. it had a lot to do with this. Okay. It had a lot to do with like professional boundaries and okay. um, all this stuff about how to navigate that because I came from a very logical, rationally driven way of doing things. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, I can, I can separate my life and this, and then I'm going to create these solid boundaries. And then I watch certain staff and I'm like, oh, you're, you're just messing with the boundaries over here. And I realized actually when you work in marginalized populations, you do, there needs to be a bending of boundaries. Mm-hmm. There, do, there needs to be actually that, as well as like a hyper understanding of who you are. But I guess one way to do this is this, is that like, because I grew up in the church, I also grew up with the philosophy of like, deny yourself your, this world is, you know, your home is just a tent, uh, be a Jew to the Jew, be a Gentile to a Gentile, whatever. Like you got to just right. be in a way like a non-person. And so then when I would meet with someone uh, at the drop-in floor, I would engage and, and then they would ask me on a Monday, oh, like, how was your weekend? And I'd be like, oh no, n- nothing about me. What about you? Like what happened for, with you? And I would always deflect okay. right. because my role as a Christian became this, like, I'm a martyr. I, I should be like, deny myself. So let me just be all about you. And then I didn't have any identity, mm, actually. Right. I, so people would be talking to someone who's just like kind of functioning as a pseudo, you know, psychotherapist who just keeps deflecting. I'm like this objective person just deflecting back to you. And I think that what I realize is part of understanding boundary is that realizing that I have to come from a place. I don't know if this is getting too cerebral, but like I have to come from a place. I, God made me yeah. who I am. And I got to lean into that. And that was the biggest part, actually. I think what burnt out, a lot of burnt out occurs is this deflecting of like, okay, I just have to be as neutral as possible and be as objective as possible in the way I engage with people. But then I had to allow when someone said cruel things to me, I have to cry Mm. even in front of them. I have to feel it Mm -hmm. and be involved in it. Uh, Henry Nouwen said like, who can... Who can rescue someone without uh, from a burning house without getting you know cinched by its flames to some extent, mm-hmm. right? And he right. ultimately brought it back to crisis. Who can who can you know save us from our sin from uh, other than the one who is crushed by our sin? There is an element where I am putting myself on the line, and there is a sense of something being taken from me, and I'm feeling it. And I think the healthy way is not to avoid that of getting cinched or getting too involved or too getting. Actually, no, there's a real delicate line between like crossing that line mm-hmm. and actually just feeling it. 
mm-hmm. and, 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 and responding in that way. And so that's part of me is just like understanding who I was in the relationship is what helped with the boundaries, actually. Mm-hmm. That's really fascinating because I can see it from both sides. Uh, being cared for by a nameless, faceless, like non-human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure wouldn't feel great. Yeah. It sure wouldn't feel like there was much value to that interaction. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I, I've never thought about it that way. Where if unless I allow myself to fully be present and feel and participate, yeah. of course you'd be you're disassociating from that. And that's where a lot of the the trauma and long lasting mm-hmm. issues come from, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really fascinating. I can't also help but think that that's exactly what Jesus did when sure. he was mm. In community, right? He he didn't just show up and not give anything of himself and not represent himself. He he was there having community with people. People knew who Jesus was when they brought their burdens and their their real life to him. And he also showed his grief, his real life, the stuff that he was walking through. Yeah. Um. He did this this life, and I can't help but think if if I love what you said that if if I don't show up and like be authentically there and and be like that's. That's where the the discipleship happens, right? It, that's where people are actually able to see that I'm a follower of Jesus and he's working things out in me if I'm sharing my life with you, yeah. as opposed to you just give me all your burdens and I'll fix them. That's right. And I think there's something, even with God, like God, I, God, the Father God in the relationship with Israel throughout the Old Testament, it's a temperamental God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> There's a lot of feelings and jealousy yeah. and all these different yeah. things that are happening in that relationship. Now, so by saying all that, like part of my dissertation is like figuring out what is the balance be- between all this, you know? Okay. Because on one side, you don't want to just be like completely stoic, but on the other side, you don't want to be overly traumatic and letting it be all about you. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And then, then all becomes, of a sudden you're adding to their weight. And then you're like now <laughs> a burden to them. And yeah. I, I guess there's discernment. And yeah. I think that's where the spiritual maturity yeah. occurs. And so back to like, you know, the idea of church getting involved in in the ministry like this, if you only engage just a little bit, you never grow in that maturity of discernment of how to work with that. Mm. And so then if your church ministry just engages and you're just a and and you don't get involved with people, then you'll have to probably take a very stoic kind of like, okay, let me just be, you know, like a duck, like still on the top, but on the bottom, like kind of sure, ruffling. Yeah. Like that's how we can be, but that's, and that's the way we choose because there there is no relationship. But once relationships are established, then you can play with it a little bit more. And and there's a lot of good things that can happen from that. But I'll throw this out there. Mm-hmm. We, we, we should move on. But yeah. this, yeah. this uh, I don't know, this always seems to come up. Being a part of a community that has so many different backgrounds, so many like travels through so many different levels of our, 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 you know, Toronto society. Uh, this to me, I think is, has been like the, the op- door opening to understanding and feeling comfortable around people who are different from me. Um, I don't think there's many places in the world where the sure. church you go to can actually help you become comfortable and more than just comfortable, start to love and mm-hmm. be known mm-hmm. by people who are really different from you. Mm-hmm. Like, politics, economics, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like even in my community group, I've, I'm so blessed to have a community group that has different ages, different stages, different backgrounds, and they have helped me. I have learned so much from them just by being known by them mm-hmm. and letting them share their story with me. And uh, so I don't know, quick hot take on that community. Yeah. Is that is that a, a, a baby step towards this or is that a true step? Or what would you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just thinking, 
I love what you say about your group and also this idea that community is invitational, right, too. We don't have closed communities. That What we're talking about here is inviting people into community yeah. and have relationship with us. Um, yeah, and I think we've lost, because I think the reason why that's so, that the church now is quite a unique and novel place, Yeah, is because we have lost the commons, uh, what they call the commons. Yeah, in, yeah the in, town in, square. It, yes. The town yeah. square where people can interact like that. And and right Wait, now that's not Twitter. <laughs> Wait, it's not Twitter anymore. I Whatever mean, like, it is. If, if we think physically, like our commons is what, like, it's like uh, Costco and like <laughs> you know Walmart, and yeah. it's just it's a consumerized yeah place yeah um, where transactions occur in the market, and I think that what we need to understand is like uh, there needs to be a restoration of the commons, mm. and I think that the church can provide um, an entryway into that where we can be a commons where. We don't have to function like like let's let's stop as a church trying to copy the way in which the market does things and which consumerism does things. Like we need to engage in a way more like a commons mm. where people can gather. Like I have our doors open a little bit more. Let all of our lock all of our resources be like really at the disposal of the way in which the community would see benefit from you know and so using church space or using like our resources in that way that benefits not just the mission of the church, but what the community is feeling and what the community is experiencing as well. Okay. That's slow pitch for where we're headed. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for teeing me up perfectly. <laughs> that <was> excellent. <laughs> that's great. So, um, so Jesse, we, ha- we are engaging in a partnership with you and this, this partnership is li- like you, like you've mentioned already, this is you providing some advising to us, but it's really like this is this goes far deeper than you giving us some expert advice and telling us what our next steps are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you actually just give us a, a macro level overview of what is what is this partnership about? What are some of the steps that we're taking to, as part of this partnership? Yeah. Well, um, when when I was working at Young Street Mission, we initially engaged with one church a while ago, and my heart at Young Street Mission while we were what we were doing there, the thing that I was um, helping to create was just this understanding of how uh, the church can gain the benefit from what nonprofits are doing, like Christian yeah. nonprofits are doing, and how churches can develop their understanding from their unique perspective. Because the church is not the same as a, you know, the social sector in, right. in the way that they distribute services. Yeah. Um, there's something quite unique about the church, actually, because when you see the social sector right now and the service of the poor and all these things, it's becoming increasingly professionalized, mm. as well as it's 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 a place where it's like, you know, higher boundaries. And, um, and there's good reason for that, too. The church is unique is because you can actually create um, the engagement with multi-socioeconomic, you know, kind of engagement yeah. out of community. Like we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So right. that's something significant, you know? And, and and what we did then is just kind of do an, an assessment of like, so the way the work is going to be done um, and that we were doing already is the idea of how we understand, number one, ourselves. Like what is our understanding, our theology? How is it worked out? Because we can say all we want about a mission statement, but mission statements are a little bit overrated in my opinion because People actually, and there was a study done with this, one of my friends uh, did it, Michelle Shockness, a study on the fact that like mission statements, what you say and how people actually feel is and, and what they experience is often very far from what mm-hmm. they experience. And actually it's what you do that actually informs people's understanding of you as a church or an organization more than just mm. the vision statement. And so the vision statement is nice and aspirational, but there's actually what's happening. And so 
my role is to kind of look at the church and to say, you know, what are we doing really right now? And how can we understand what we're doing, first of all? What are we? What is happening so far? And then we can look at our aspirations, like what do we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? But to do that, you can't just do it in isolation. You can't just do it as a church and say, let's have a think tank in our church and figuring out what's the best, what's the needs of our community mm-hmm. and how to execute that. That happens only in the ecosystem of the church is insufficient. It's all about us at that point. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is bringing a little bit of a, uh, you know, top down way of engagement, which is the bad thing about um, charity work globally and, and locally. Our role here is to think about local environment, not just glo- not global, actually. It's just locally here, present here. What is happening in the neighborhood? What is happening in Scarborough right now? Because chances are, if something is happening, like if you really discern the spirit of God working in the neighborhood, chances are God is working outside what the church is doing, right? Like something's happening yeah. out there. Our goal is to, number one, what is our church doing? Just get a hold of that. That's the first section. The next section is to look around what is happening? What is alive? How is the spirit moving in other organizations, Christian or non-Christian? God can be working through a lot of things out there. Our yep. job is to pick up the pulse of what's happening there, pick up the vibe, pick up the rhythm. And then our goal then is to see our assets and our resources in the church and line it up together with what the assets and the needs, not just the needs of the community, but the assets of the community is, and to find alignment so that we can start moving together yeah. uh, in helping the community at large. And so that's kind of what our project is all about. And in the midst of that, I'm doing a course as part of that to help us understand theologically how that comes from. Because it's not just doing good works, it's also doing it out of our theology. Yeah. Um, and there's very unique expression of good deeds from the church that is very distinct from the reg- regular society. I'm mm-hmm. not saying regular society doesn't do good work, but we come from a different motivation and a different perspective. And we have a different asset to contribute to our neighborhood than other organizations do. Mm. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to okay. the, the course in a second. Maybe Pastor Jessica, you can yeah. start on this. And then if there's anything, mm-hmm. Jesse, feel free to fill in. But uh, what you're, I just been in part of a couple conversations about this, but what is really unique about this process that you're telling us about today is that it's more than just like like you said, it's more than just a bunch of leaders in a room making a bunch of decisions and then rolling it out. Yeah. Um, so how does our community, our church family, how how can they be in, integrated into mm-hmm. this process, and what why should it matter to them? Yeah. So uh, we came to a point where we've celebrated, and we're just so grateful. This this our organization, our church, has done some incredible things in our community. We're known in our community. They, there's this. Uh, there's this thing that goes around that if, if you were to remove an organization, would there be any impact mm-hmm. if you removed that organization from that community? Um, I, I'm, I'm thankful to say I think there would be. I think there yeah. would be great uh, loss if One Church Tia was removed from this community. So we we celebrate what God has done through through our community, but we do know that He's moving us into a season where we talk about this a lot. We want to blow open the doors. Yeah. We have this big, beautiful building <laughs> that mm-hmm, we want right. to open up to our community. We have this heart. To create the commons like you were talking about. To yeah. create the commons. Mm-hmm, this idea yeah. that people in this community might say, hey, that's that's my common space, even before they ever come to one of our gatherings. That they might right. feel safe in yeah. our lobbies and in our yeah. in our hallways. And, and what that could look like if, if during the week this building was open and filled with our community and through their experience in our uh, building, they might come to know Jesus by rubbing yeah. up uh, 
against our lives and a sharing life, kind of inviting them into community. And so we knew that this was um, an area we were going into. There's a lot of ways you could decide how to blow open the doors. You sure. could hire a consultant uh, like Jesse who could come in and tell us, uh, A, B, and C, here's the plan, put it into place. Yeah. And by the end of next year, we'd have the doors open and we'd be ready to go. That would probably be the easiest way to It'd go. It'd be easier for this. me too. It'd be easier for you too. Yeah. So we probably, we, go. Let, we should go with that one. Option two would be that the lead, staff leadership could just decide, you know what? We think we should do A, B, and C. And so we could stand up on a stage, say we're going to do A, B, and C. Everyone come along and we could open the doors in a year from now. The third option, and probably the hardest, messiest, longest yes. option here, is that we slow it down and we start to discern as a community, what does God, what is he up to in Scarborough? Yeah. And how can we partner with what he is already doing? So we might discover through this process, there's something amazing going on in Scarborough. We're going to send some of our volunteers to support that. We as One Church TO are going to show up and support what's happening there because we're going to be able to love our city through what's happening. It might show up that we discern a need and we come up with a way to meet that need in Scarborough. It might come out that we open our doors and we offer a program that Scarborough needs. We actually don't know where this yeah. is going to go, mm -hmm. but we do know that we're going to discern exactly what the Spirit is doing in Scarborough. And that's yeah. what I love about this process. It's this idea that it's not just me and you, Pastor Dan, bunch of our leaders, bunch mm -hmm. of our board sitting in a room and making a decision. We're actually inviting our community. That's why this class is so important. We're inviting our community to help us go through this neighborhood assessment and discern what the spirit, maybe talk a little bit about yeah, that neighborhood sure. assessment and what we're going to be doing yeah. through the class. So like, um, basically what you're saying too, is just to sum it up is we're just trying to listen, mm -hmm. listen to the community and listen to the spirit. And those two things are so important that we can't take for granted. Usually there's a temptation to just be like, well, this is best practice from here. Let's just right. import yeah, it over yeah, here. Yeah. Let's just do yeah. it. It should work. Right. It's, it's been, you know, but, Actually, the, the the hard work is listening, and actually taking different different steps. And so, the way we just did this with another church, and doing with another church right now, where we're engaging, um, and Young Street Mission is going to be involved in what we're doing with regards to this part is is, is amazing. Is where we're going to uh, be able to train people in the church to be able to um, go and do a community assessment of the neighborhood and gather the data. So let's. Uh, so if I wanted to gather the data of the neighborhood, I would usually go walking the neighborhood, talking to storefront owners, talking to different organizations, nonprofits. Here, you know, if I did that, I would gain all the benefit from all the relationships built, all the synergy, all the things that mm -hmm. happen through eye contact, all the things that happen through being present with one another. The Holy Spirit probably would disciple your life through it. I would be. <laughs> it's true. I would gain a lot from that, and yeah, I'll be yeah, telling yeah. you in a report. This is what happens. But what just happened, uh, and the team at YSN was amazing at doing this, they just trained a ch uh, some people at this church, I think around 20 people in this church, they went out into the neighborhood and they j they're just completing it right now. Where they went, they we got a bunch of the, let's call them the the, the nerdy people who like the data <laughs> and they go on census God data. God bless those nerdy God people. God bless the nerds. They're up there looking at the data, looking at websites, all that kind of stuff, yeah. gathering the intel yep. through numbers. And there's going to be people who are there. By the way, yeah. if people who are in a church who don't feel like I'm not an usher. I don't want to do worship. I like numbers. This is, you know, There's you don't just have to be the, the treasure. <laughs> There's a place we for the nerds for here. Some nerds. You can comb through data and just look at, you know, this is a demographic. When I was in Boston, yeah. just to hold on this as an aside, but when I was in Boston, when we did our community assessment and we look at the census data, I did a comparison between the Fenway neighborhood, 
Our church was in Fenway. It was called Fenway cool. Church. Um, and then the rest of the Boston area. Okay. And what we found from the comparison of the data is that the data, we had a disproportionate amount of single mothers, a single wow. parent homes than the rest of Boston. Mm. Suddenly that created a distinction. Like the data right. actually informed some of the people in Boston to think about, we need to be a place a little bit more for single parent yeah. homes. Right. Uh, and then that actually drives the the picture of what our direction is going to be. So in the same way, they're doing that right now in the church and they're closing it up and they're coming up with what the, what the community says their needs are, what the community says their assets are. And the amazing thing that we're finding right now in this church is that what the church wants to contribute, the particular asset they want to contribute actually matches with the particular, this doesn't happen always, but the particular need of the okay. neighborhood. It wow. so happens to align. That's great. And so back to what we're going to do here is like, we're going to actually equip people to know how to engage and do stakeholder interviews and all this kind of stuff, gather that those interviews together. And that will help us to get a, a better picture so that we can listen to the spirit better. And that's what's unique actually about this too, is we're going to put prayer uh, a part of this yeah. and awesome. discerning, you know, not just and, our executive hats. And again, know? that's the distinction between the not-for-profit sector and the church. Mm-hmm. We ha- we are we have a, a, a huge advantage in partnering with the Spirit and being able to lean yes. into spiritual community, uh, not just community, right? So, yeah, and it, Jesus is Pentecostal, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. guys got the Spirit, right? <laughs> the Spirit is here. He is here, yeah. He is, he's part of all, yes. all, all believers. I, but anyway, okay, I, we might be too too quick into this process yeah, no to, to be able to say this, but are there any, like, can you leak anything for us on the Follow Podcast? Is there any learnings about Ooh. our community or is there any distinctive uh, parts of our our pro- what we have uh, in our community that you can you can spill some beans for us, spill some tea? Well, there isn't. Uh, we haven't gone through that yet. Uh. We, we haven't got the people to do that. But we did the what we did uh, last time we were here. Yeah. Uh, when I was working with Young Street Mission, we did a report for okay. you guys and about what the mm-hmm. what the the felt needs of are the people who are in our food bank. Like, what were they saying are the needs? Because your food bank is actually a huge. Uh, a huge ministry that could be used in so many different ways. And uh, we asked them, we surveyed uh, the participants. This is pre-pandemic. And one of the top needs was uh, employment. Mm. Um, And that came out of the the surveys that we did. And it just so happens that recently there's talk about a connection with an uh, employment service provider that's going to actually engage here to actually use the foot traffic that we have over here to be able to help with employment skills. And so that's an example of how that's you turn awesome. data and whatnot into an actual thing. And that doesn't take... And by the way, we don't have to do the employment services. Right? We're just connect, connecting the dots. We're just right? connect dots. You're just connecting yeah. the dot of an asset of the neighborhood yeah. who, by the way, if you ever, like our drop-in center used to work with employment a lot, uh, with employment, they need foot traffic. Right. They need a place of a... a they need a commons where it's not just right. people looking up on the website, where can I help get employment? Not just the internet... Twitter kind of world of uh, of, of uh, commons, but actually places. Right. And so this is a place where people are waiting for food bank, waiting for the food, this lobby kind of area. Mm-hmm. That's a place where community happens and you stick someone there who's a mental health worker or you stick someone there who's an employment counselor or whatnot, and you actually can help in a lot of ways more than just the food. That's really killer. Yeah. Uh, that makes me really excited. Okay, we, we mentioned the course a number of times and uh, i I, I love how this this might have some integrations even with what we've been talking about so far. 
So what what's Professor Jesse? Yes. What what is this course that you're you're teaching? And maybe even uh, help us see who should be attending. Everyone, no, just, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I do a course called Ministry in the Margins in uh, in in Tyndale, and uh, it's a master level course. Um, but then what I'm doing is I'm kind of adjusting that to be for uh, people in the church uh, particularly, and I've done it a few times in short little spans. Uh, this is the first time really fleshing it out over uh, six to eight weeks, you know, like of how we're going to pull this together. Um, but what our main thing is, the way that people can see this is this, is that imagine you're just journeying with a community of people. Think of it less as a course. Think of it as a place where you're journeying with a group of people to uh, like discover your own assumptions about ministry to the to the poor and what it means yeah. in your mind theologically. Some of us may think, you know, like people need to help themselves the most and they need opportunities and then we let them go. Some people say, no, we need to, you know, give give more and and, and let people uh, work with um, the resources that is given to them. Some people have different perspectives and that's informed by our theology. It's informed by the way that we see ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're looking at, if you're someone, I think, in 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 the church who... Like, you know there's this impulse that you need to engage um, with the margins. There's some kind of feeling of that because we're Christians. Yeah. But you never articulated really the theology behind it. Or what I mean, that that sounds like a big word, but you never really articulated how it connects with discipleship, how it connects with worship. With your faith. With your faith. Because guess what? Like, messages that talk about uh, justice in the Bible have a lot to do with, say, taking communion. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that we're going to focus on that focus on communion and the fact that the church had rich and poor trying to have communion yeah. at one time and the rich were eating and being gluttonous and the rich, the poor were being neglected. Literally, it's in worship, actually, that we find that. We can see our Christology, meaning like Jesus, like our definition of Christ. Understanding it says like, yeah. whatever you do for the least of these, you do unto me. Being able to, like my mentor said at Evergreen, every person who walks in there, you have to see them as Jesus that's like crazy thinking to actually, mm-hmm. if that's the case. Really hard, yeah. If it's the case, how do you treat this person? And and how does that change your perspective of the other, you know? And so we're going to work through that. But you, we're just basically a, a group of people, small group of people in this course, just uh, working through these things together yeah. at, a, at, a, at a slow pace. And then you will get equipped in this uh, some people who want to take that avenue to do community assessments, you will be trained to do that. Awesome. Some of you who want to do the data kind of analysis, you will be able to do that. Some of you guys who want to uh, just work as a volunteer, you'll be prepared to do that, of how, mm-hmm. to, how to navigate conflict and stuff like that. We're going to introduce you to those things as well in this time together. So it's going to be uh, exciting. So Jesse, uh, I guess if somebody has a heart for justice issues or people in the margin, they should come to this course. If somebody wants to step into a discipleship journey, they should come to this course. Maybe even somebody who has um, more than been involved in this type of of work, but just given dollars towards it, and they want to be involved in what Jesus is doing, they should come to this course. It, this really, course is really for everyone. It will inform that, and even if it's actually if 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 there is a resistance to it as well, yeah, Ooh. I encourage you. Oh. I encourage you to come because we just work through that. And there's probably legitimate thoughts people have towards, because there's a lot of these buzzwords right now that are pretty, uh, you know, um, controversial these days, but we're, we're just trying to go simple and humanize it because it's not just abstract thoughts about justice and all that kind of stuff that 
the the way the world is talking about it. We're not we're not going by the way the secular world is talking about this. Um, I'm I'm kind of confused by how that all is working out. I'm I'm just trying to see how it's arising from the life of Christ, <laughs> and then let let the lens or the the way that colored glasses is the way of Jesus, and that will inform and and that will kind of um, uh, carve out the things mm. that are the fluff of the conversation of this world and get to what Jesus is saying. Mm. That's the way to kind of refine it. That's my filter, you could say, of how to do that. And so we'll learn that together. And I'm not like I don't know everything. I just I I just get into this and I think about it a lot. So I'll be a facilitator of that conversation um, and and also teaching some stuff about, but anyone really. I think often for, for this in my life, and you guys could probably affirm this, uh, there's almost like the, you feel like the, the Holy Spirit does this little thing and puts his finger on your heart yeah. in moments like this. So if you're, if you're listening to this conversation and you just feel the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on your heart, you probably should be leaning into this. And and that's a, a chance for you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And when you are, there will be a reward, often more for even for others than for you, uh, just through your obedience. So um, often we're as leaders in the church, we're just trying to help people listen to the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's the one who, who guides these things. Mm-hmm. Guys, this was a, a killer conversation. I could have this conversation for hours. Mm-hmm. And I I think, you know, we will in a sense be through this, this course. Yeah. So... Um, thank you for being part of this conversation. Thanks for jumping in on this. Um, we will put as much as we can to the show notes and the the description of this episode. So if you if you're having uh, if you have an interest in the in the the course that we're talking about, or even if you want to serve in our outreach team, there's a lot of opportunities. Whether it's our food bank or other places, if this is something you want to take action about, this definitely we'll have the links there. But thank you for being a part of this honest and open conversation for people who are actively learning to live like Jesus. We will see you next week for episode 11, where we are talking about impacting our city. See you then.